Volume Two, Chapter Three of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jane Shanley. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Volume Two, Chapter Three. I shall look like the wicked fairy nothing in captain winstanley's manner during the sultry summer days which went before his marriage betrayed his knowledge of violet tempest's rebellious spirit he would not see that he was obnoxious to her he spoke to her and looked at her as sweetly as if there had been the friendliest understanding between them in all his conduct in any act of his which approached the assumption of authority he went to work with supreme gentleness yet he had his grip upon everything already and was extending his arms in every direction like an octopus there were alterations being made in the garden which violet knew were his although mrs tempest was supposed to have originated them he had in some measure assumed dominion over the stables his two hunters were already quartered there vixen saw them when she went her morning round with a basket of bread they were long-bodied hungry-looking animals and the grooms reported them ravenous and insatiable in their feeding when they've eat their corn they eats their a and when they've eat their a they eats their bed and then they takes and gnaws the wooden partitions they'll eat up all the woodwork in the stable before they've done i've never seen such brutes complained bates the head groom vixen fancied these animals were in some wise typical of their owner one morning when vixen was leaning upon the half door of arion's loose box giving herself up to a quarter of an hour's petting of that much-beloved animal captain winstanley came into the stable good morning miss tempest petting that pretty little bay of yours i'm afraid you'll spoil him you want to hunt him next october i shall never hunt again pshaw at your age there's no such word as never he's the neatest little hunter in the forest and on his by-days you might ride one of mine thanks said vixen with a supercilious glance at the most leggy of the two hunters i shouldn't care to be up there i should feel myself out of everything oh by the way said captain winstanley opening the door of another loose box what are we to do with this fellow this fellow was a grand-looking bay with herculean quarters short legs and a head like a war-horse he snorted indignantly as the captain slapped his flank and reared his splendid crest and seemed as if he said ha ha i don't quite know of whom you are speaking when you say we said vixen with an unsmiling countenance naturally of your mother and myself i should like to include you in all our family arrangements present or future but you seem to prefer being left outside yes replied vixen i prefer to stand alone very well then i repeat my question 
though as you decline to have any voice in our arrangements it's hardly worth while to trouble you about it what are we to do with this fellow do with him my father's horse exclaimed vixen the horse he rode to his dying day why keep him of course don't you think that is rather foolish nobody rides or drives him it takes all one man's time to groom him and exercise him you might just as well keep a white elephant in the stables he was my father's favorite horse said vixen with indignant tears clouding the bright hazel of her eyes i cannot imagine mamma capable of parting with him yet i ought not to say that after my experience of the last few months she added in an undertone well my dear miss tempest family affection is a very charming sentiment and i can quite understand that you and your mamma would be anxious to secure your father's horse a good home and a kind master but i cannot comprehend your mamma being so foolish as to keep a horse which is of no use to any member of her family if the brute were of a little lighter build i wouldn't mind riding him myself and selling one of mine but he's too much of a weight-carrier for me vixen gave arion a final hug drying her angry tears upon his soft neck and left the stable without another word she went straight to her mother's morning-room where the widow was sitting at a table covered with handkerchief cases and glove-boxes deeply absorbed in the study of their contents assisted by the faithful pauline otherwise polly who had been wearing smarter gowns and caps ever since her mistress's engagement and who was getting up a trousseau of her own account in order to enter upon her new phase of existence with due dignity we shall keep more company i make no doubt with such a gay young master as the captain she had observed in the confidences of mrs trimmer's comfortable parlour i can never bring myself to think swedish gloves pretty said mrs tempest as vixen burst into the room but they are the fashion and one must wear them mamma cried vixen captain winstanley wants you to sell bullfinch if you let him be sold you will be the meanest of women and with this startling address vixen left the room as suddenly as she had entered it banging the door behind her time which brings all things brought the eve of mrs tempest's wedding the small but perfect trousseau subject of such anxious thoughts so much study was completed the travelling dresses were packed in two large oilskin covered baskets ready for the scottish tour the new travelling bag with monograms and pink coral on silver gilt a wedding present from captain winstanley occupied the place of honour in mrs tempest's dressing-room the wedding-dress of cream-coloured brocade and old point lace with a bonnet of lace and water-lilies was spread upon the sofa everything in mrs tempest's apartment bore witness to the impending change in the lady's life most of all the swollen eyelids and pale cheeks of the lady 
who on this vigil of her wedding-day had given herself up to weeping oh mum your eyes will be so red to-morrow remonstrated pauline coming into the room with another dainty little box newly arrived from the nearest railway station and surprising her mistress in tears do have some red lavender or let me make you a cup of tea mrs tempest had been sustaining nature with cups of tea all through the agitating day it was a kind of drama drinking and she was as much a slave of the teapot as the forlorn drunken drab of st giles is a slave of the gin bottle yes you may get me another cup of tea pauline i feel awfully low to-night you seem so mum i'm sure if i didn't want to marry him i wouldn't if i was you it's never too late for a woman to change her mind not even when she's inside the church i've known it done i wouldn't have him mum if you feel your mind turn against him at the last concluded the lady's maid energetically not marry him pauline when he is so good and noble so devoted so unselfish mrs tempest might have extended this list of virtues indefinitely if her old servant had not pulled her up rather sharply well mum if he's so good and you're so fond of him why cry you don't understand pauline at such a time there are many painful feelings i have been thinking naturally of my dear edward the best and most generous of husbands twenty years last june since we were married what a child i was pauline knowing nothing of the world i had a lovely trousseau but i dare say if we could see the dresses now we should think them absolutely ridiculous and one's ideas of underlinen in those days were very limited those lovely satin-stitched monograms only came in when the princess of wales was married dear edward he was one of the handsomest men i ever saw how could violet believe that i should sell his favourite horse well mum hearing captain winstanley talk about it she naturally captain winstanley would never wish me to do anything i did not like the captain had not said a word about bullfinch since that morning in the stable the noble brute still occupied his loose-box and was fed and petted daily by vixen and was taken for gallops in the dry glades of the forest or among the gorse and heath of boulderwood mrs tempest had dined or rather had not dined in her own room on this last day of her widowhood captain winstanley had business in london and was coming back to hampshire by the last train there had been no settlements the captain had nothing to settle and mrs tempest confided in her lover too completely to desire to fence herself round with legal protections and precautions having only a life interest in the estate she had nothing to leave except the multifarious ornaments frivolities and luxuries which the squire had presented to her in the course of their wedded life it had been altogether a trying day mrs tempest complained 
in spite of the diversion to painful thoughts which was continually being offered by the arrival of some interesting item of the trousseau elegant trifles ordered ever so long ago which kept dropping in at the last moment violet and her mother had not met during the day and now night was hurrying on the owls were hooting in the forest their monotonous cry sounded every now and then through the evening silence like a prophecy of evil in less than twelve hours the wedding was to take place and as yet vixen had shown no sign of relenting the dress had come from madame theodore's pauline had thrown it over a chair with an artistic carelessness which displayed the tasteful combination of cream colour and pale azure mrs tempest contemplated it with a pathetic countenance it is simply perfect she explained theodore has a most delicate mind there is not an atom too much blue and how exquisitely the drapery falls it looks as if it had been blown together the van dyke hat too violet would look lovely in it i do not think if i were a wicked mother i would take so much pains to select an elegant costume for her but i have always studied her dress even when she was in pinafores i took care that she should be picturesque and she rewards my care by refusing to be present at my wedding it is very cruel the clock struck twelve the obscure bird clamoured a little louder in his woodland haunt the patient pauline who had packed everything and arranged everything and borne with her mistress's dolefulness all day long began to yawn piteously if you'd let me brush your hair now ma'am she suggested at last i could get to bed i should like to be fresh to-morrow morning are you tired explained mrs tempest wonderingly well mum stooping over them dress baskets is rather tiring and it's past twelve you can go i'll brush my hair myself no mum i wouldn't allow that anyhow it would make your arms ache you ought to get to bed as soon as ever you can or you'll look tired and aggard to-morrow that word haggard alarmed mrs tempest she would not have objected to look pale and interesting on her wedding day like one who had spent the previous night in tears but haggardness suggested age and she wanted to look her youngest when uniting herself to a husband who was her junior by some years so pauline was allowed to hurry on the evening toilet the soft pretty hair not so abundant as it used to be was carefully brushed the night lamp was lighted and pauline left her mistress sitting by her dressing-table in her flowing white raiment pale graceful subdued in colouring like a classic figure in a faded fresco she sat with fixed eyes deep in thought for some time after pauline had left her then looked uneasily at the little gem of a watch dangling on its ormolu and jasper stand a quarter to one violet must have gone to bed hours ago unless indeed violet were like her mother 
too unhappy to be able to sleep mrs tempest was seized with a sudden desire to see her daughter how unkind of her never to come near me to say good-night on this night of all others she thought what has she been doing all day i wonder riding about the forest i suppose like a wild girl making friends of dogs and horses and gypsies and fox cubs and charcoal burners and all kinds of savage creatures and then after a pause she asked herself fretfully what will people say if my own daughter is not at my wedding the idea of possible slander stung her sharply she got up and walked up and down the room inwardly complaining against providence for using her so badly to have such a rebellious daughter it was sharper than a serpent's tooth the time had not been allowed to go by without some endeavour being made to bring violet to a better state of feeling that was the tone taken about her by mrs tempest and the vicar's wife in their conferences the headstrong misguided girl was to be brought to a better state of mind mrs scobel tackled her bringing all her diplomacy to bear but without avail vixen was rock then mr scobel undertook the duty and with all the authority of his holy office called upon violet to put aside her unchristian prejudices and behave as a meek and dutiful daughter is it unchristian to hate the man who has usurped my father's place violet asked curtly it is unchristian to hate any one and you have no right to call captain winstanley a usurper you have no reason to take your mother's marriage so much to heart there is nothing sinful or even radically objectionable in a second marriage though i admit that to my mind a woman is worthier in remaining faithful to her first love like anna the prophetess who had been a widow fourscore and four years who shall say that her exceptional gift of prophecy may not have been a reward for the purity and fidelity of her life mr scobel's arguments were of no more effect than his wife's persuasion his heart was secretly on violet's side he had loved the squire and thought this marriage of mrs tempest a foolish if not a shameful thing there was no hardiness in the feeling with which he supervised the decoration of his pretty little church for the wedding if she were only awake thought mrs tempest i would make a last appeal to her feelings late as it is her heart cannot be stone she took her candle and went through the dark silent house to violet's room and knocked gently come in said the girl's clear voice with a wakeful sound ah thought mrs tempest triumphantly obstinate as she is she knows she is doing wrong conscience won't let her sleep vixen was standing at her window leaning with folded arms upon the broad wooden ledge looking out at the dim garden over which the pale stars were shining there was a moon but it was hidden by drifting clouds not in bed violet said her mother sweetly no mamma what have you been doing all these hours i don't know thinking and you never came to wish me good-night 
i did not think you would want me i thought you would be busy packing for your honeymoon that was not kind violet you must have known that i should have many painful thoughts to-night i did not know it and if it is so i can only say it is a pity the painful thoughts did not come a little sooner violet you are as hard as iron as cold as ice cried mrs tempest with passionate fretfulness no i am not mamma i can love very warmly where i love deeply i have given this night to thoughts of my dead father whose place is to be usurped in this house from to-morrow i never knew any one so obstinately unkind i could not have believed it possible in my own daughter i thought you had a good heart violet and yet you do not mind making me intensely wretched on my wedding-day why should you be wretched mamma because i prefer not to be present at your wedding if i were there i should be like the bad fairy at the princess's christening i should look at everything with a malevolent eye mrs tempest flung herself into a chair and burst into tears the storm of grief which had been brooding over her troubled mind all day broke suddenly in a tempest of weeping she could have given no reason for her distress but all at once on the eve of that day which was to give a new colour to her life panic seized her and she trembled at the step she was about to take you are very cruel to me violet she sobbed i am a most miserable woman violet knelt beside her and gently took her hand moved to pity by wretchedness so abject dear mamma why miserable she asked this thing which you are doing is your own choice or if it is not if you have yielded weakly to over-persuasion it is not too late to draw back no dear mother even now it is not too late indeed it is not let us run away as soon as it is light you and i and go off to spain or italy anywhere leaving a letter for captain winstanley to say you have changed your mind he could not do anything to us you have a right to draw back even at the last don't talk nonsense violet cried mrs tempest peevishly who said i had changed my mind i am as devoted to conrad as he is to me i should be a heartless wretch if i could throw him over at the last moment but this has been a most agitating day your unkindness is breaking my heart indeed mamma i have no wish to be unkind not to you but my presence at your wedding would be a lie it would seem to give my approval to an act i hate i cannot bring myself to do that and you will disgrace me by your absence you do not care what people may say of me nobody will care about my absence you will be queen of the day everybody will care everybody will talk i know how malicious people are even one's most intimate friends they will say my own daughter turned her back upon me on my wedding day they can hardly say that when i shall be here in your house mrs tempest went on weeping 
she had reduced herself to a condition in which it was much easier to cry than to leave off crying the fountain of her tears seemed inexhaustible a pretty object i shall look to-morrow she murmured plaintively and this was all she said for some time violet walked up and down the room sorely distressed sorely perplexed to see her mother's grief and to be able to give comfort and to refuse that must be undutiful undaughterly rebellious but had not her mother forfeited all right to her obedience were not their hearts and lives completely sundered by this marriage of to-morrow to violet's stronger nature it seemed as if she were the mother offended outraged by a child's folly and weakness there sat the child weeping piteously yearning to be forgiven it was a complete reversal of their positions her heart was touched by the spectacle of her mother's weakness by the mute appeal of those tears what does it matter to me after all whether i am absent or present she argued at last i cannot prevent this man coming to take possession of my father's house i cannot hinder the outrage to my father's memory mamma has been very kind to me and i have no one else in the world to love she took a few more turns and then stopped by her mother's chair will it really make you happier mamma if i am at your wedding it will make me quite happy very well then it shall be as you please but remember i shall look the wicked fairy i cannot help that you will look lovely theodore has sent you home the most exquisite dress come to my room and try it on said mrs tempest drying her tears and as quickly comforted as a child who has obtained its desire by means of copious weeping no dear mamma not to-night i'm too tired sighed violet never mind dear theodore always fits you to perfection go to bed at once love the dress will be a pleasant surprise for you in the morning good-night pet you have made me so happy i'm glad of that mamma i wish you were going to scotland with us vixen shuddered i'm afraid you'll be dreadfully dull here no mamma i shall have the dogs and horses i shall get on very well you are such a curious girl well good-night darling you are my own violet again and with this they parted mrs tempest going back to her room with restored peace of mind she looked at the reflection of her tear-blotted face anxiously as she paused before the glass i'm afraid i shall look an object to-morrow she said the morning sunshine is so searching end of volume two chapter three recording by jane shanley bill ricka mass